Galatians chapter 1, if you have a Bible, open there with me. Galatians chapter 1, we'll be in the final verses of that chapter this morning, verses 10 through 24. Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through 24. As you're opening there, uh, I want to say what a joy it is uh, for you to be here this morning, for you to be worshiping with us. We have many guests with us today, and I just want to thank you for being here. And uh, I'd love to say hello and love to reach out. So if you are thinking of leaving some sort of contact information, we'd love for you to do that. Uh, Just so we can say hello, we'd love to do that. Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through 24. If you have your Bibles open there, let me ask you if you would, just stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself speaking to us, beginning verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who had called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and I remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and what I am writing to you before God. I do not lie. And then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we glorify you because of what you've done through Paul and what you've done in our own hearts and lives and minds. And God, I pray we would be transformed by the power of the gospel this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's football season. And uh, the opening day of SEC football is like a holiday in Alabama. Now, some preachers may want to try to make you feel guilty for enjoying things like football. Have you guys heard this before? Um. You know, like, if you were half as excited at church as you are at a football game, you know, we might have something happen. And what I always say to that is, okay, I get what you're trying to say. Here's the reality. The most exciting days of my life were the days 
my children were born, and I can assure you I didn't dump a cooler full of Gatorade on Whitney after she gave birth. It's, it's, it's two different kinds of passion, right? And two different kinds of excitement. I'm okay with you guys not having superficial excitement every Sunday. Now listen, if you want to get excited and praise the Lord and raise your hands, praise be to God, go for it. If that's how you express your love to God, I, I would be the last one to make you stop. Now, if you want to pour Gatorade on the preacher, that's another story, right? But here's the reality. It's okay to enjoy good things. In fact, we enjoy it a lot. We are maybe, maybe, okay, I'm going to get a little guilt, guiltish here. Maybe we're too obsessed with sports in some way. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe some of you aren't. But our culture really focuses on athletics and focuses on sports in a lot of ways. In fact, outside of Tampa, Florida... There's a boarding school that's really meant to be a boarding high school almost exclusively for elite athletes, uh, elite amateur high school athletes. It's called IMG Academy. And so their football team all across the country, they play other sort of elite schools to try to help their players get seen by scouts and others because the point of IMG Academy in a lot of ways is to try to help your child who's a good athlete, get a scholarship or maybe even eventually a career out of sports. There's something to be said about how much we love football when high school football games are on television, right? Last Sunday, IMG Academy took the field against a team out of Ohio, and the team was called Bishop Sycamore High School. There was a problem, though. Eventually, and even if you listen to some clips from the broadcast and everything else, Eventually, even the announcers have come to realize, and now we realize and recognize that it seems as if Bishop Sycamore is not a real high school. Now, that's not to say that they don't want to become a real high school at some point or that there's not a goal to be a real high school. There's certainly a desire from one article I read that they would like to be the IMG Academy of the Midwest. And yet it seems like there were bad actors involved in this school that recruited talented football players, to come to play for their school by being told that there was a Netflix documentary involved. Now, all sorts of our idols are, are sort of joining together against us here in the story, right? This sort of obsession with fame and everything else that we have. They, they would arrive, these players would. Some of them were even 20 years old, had played a year of junior college and were re-enrolling back in high school. All kinds of crazy stories and things, but the general story was people would arrive and parents would arrive taking their kid here to Bishop Sycamore High School and they would get there and realize there's no curriculum, there's no buildings, there's no football equipment. There was no school. Now they did get enough players together to field a team and they got beaten so badly by IMG Academy that people were on television saying, I really wish they would just call this game so nobody gets hurt. It was that bad? You see, from the veneer of social media to the wild world of deepfakes, I don't know if you know about deepfakes, but it'll scare you to death, all the way to fake high schools, even fake high schools. Here in our world, here in our culture, here in the year 2021, it's hard to know what's real anymore. It just feels like we're inundated with things that are half-truths and fake and not quite true. It feels like there's propaganda around every corner, and it feels like everyone's trying to find a shortcut around doing the hard work to get where we need to be. 
But if there's one thing I know about people, and one thing I've learned about people, it's that they want something real. That they want something authentic. In fact, we might even be too obsessed with authenticity. And, and, and now, we've come so far as a culture, people are trying so hard to be authentic that it starts to look fake. You get the challenge. It's hard to know what's real anymore. It can be so hard to tell. Is what I'm hearing believable? Is what I'm seeing true? This morning, I hope you'll cling to the gospel in a world where truth is in short supply. And you'll hear, and you'll hear it said, and you're, you'll hear it told that the gospel is something that was manufactured by man, that it was invented by people, that you've got uh, copies of copies of copies of copies of copies of what Paul or Jesus or whoever might have said. You'll hear all sorts of things, but I'm here to testify to you today. I believe with all my heart that the gospel is authentically true and that it is a truth from God in a world where truth is in short supply. I think this is a rock you can stand on. I think this is something you can cling to in a world gone mad. And I want to show you this morning three truths that I believe will help cut through the noise around you so you can see the way that God speaks through the gospel. The gospel is a word from the Lord. It's a truth from God. It's not something man made up. And I want you to see three things this morning that will help you bolster your faith in this gospel from God. Here's the first. The first point this morning is this. The gospel frees us from fear of man. The, the gospel frees us from fear of man. Verse 10 sort of a transition verse uh, between the opening of the letter and the body of the letter. And it's interesting because Paul in verse 10 immediately, he just immediately gets down to business. Usually there's a sort of a doxology or something like that there. But here you have Paul immediately going into this saying, I, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel frees us from the fear of man. And the first thing you need to understand when you think about this is what fear of man is. I, I would just define fear of man like this. When we fear man, we value what man thinks of us in the way that you ought to feel, value what God thinks of you. You value what man thinks of you in the way you ought to value what God thinks of you. We, we owe fear to no one but God. Uh, authentic, godly, Christ-centered respect. A genuine sense of deeply caring and recognizing that what God has to say is what matters most, is what it means to fear God. And so when we fear man, we become addicted to what we can see as opposed to what we can't see. Because the reality is to know that God is pleased with you, the only way you can know that is through faith, right? You have to believe by faith that the gospel is true. And then sure, you can believe that God is pleased with you, but it's easy to know whether man's pleased with you, isn't it? At least so it seems. When you get paid what you think you're worth, you feel like man is pleased with you. You're not immune to that, are you? 
No, none of us are. When someone you love gives you the attention that you think you deserve, or someone who you wish loved you gives you the attention you deserve, you say, finally, now I'm loved. Now I'm cared for. Then you believe you're loved. Then you believe you're cared about. It's lack of faith. You're addicted. We're all addicted to what we can see versus what we can't see. Let me ask you this question. If God approves of you, who cares what man thinks? If God approves of you, who cares about what man thinks? Do you see what Paul says? For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I think Paul's critics here in Galatia are similar to his critics elsewhere throughout the cities of the New Testament. And they seem to be saying Paul's really bold when he's, not with, when he's away, when he's in letters, when he's not here. He's really bold, but he's so timid when he's there. They must say all he wants to do is just make people happy. He made this gospel up. It's different than the one we received from the apostles. They would claim, and so you shouldn't listen to him. But Paul says, I don't care what they think. Do you really think I'm trying to please man? If I was seeking the approval of man rather than God, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I think we have to ask ourselves the question then, why, what is it about serving Christ? What is it about believing the gospel that frees us from being approved by man? Well, I think you know the answer. It's because authentic approval and genuine approval, the sort of approval our souls crave, can only finally and truly be found in the approval of God. And don't you see how through the gospel, God has approved of all those who have put their faith in Jesus? Why? How do we know that God approves of us? It's because when you are joined to Christ, the Bible says, you have died with Christ and been buried with Christ. And how do we know God was pleased with Jesus? How do we know that God approved of the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ made? He raised Him from the dead, didn't He? He raised Him from the dead. On the third day, He resurrected His Son. That's the way that God proved and showed to the world that Jesus Christ is His beloved Son in whom He is well pleased. It's what made it so clear that Jesus, whom we crucified, God has made Him both Lord and Christ. It was through the resurrection. And so when we look to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can see that we are approved by Him. Am I still trying to please man, Paul says? When God is pleased with you, who cares if man is pleased? You see, the gospel frees you from fear of man. For I would have you know, brothers, Paul said, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, if these other folks want to get together and compare credentials and talk about how much better they knew this person or how much 
more close they were to James or how they learned this from this apostle. Paul says, I'm not getting in a, in a match with these folks over who has more approval from man because the gospel I preach is not designed to please man. It didn't come from man. It wasn't approved of man. I got it straight from Christ. I got it straight from Jesus. As we progress through Galatians, and if you go read the book of Acts and read the New Testament, you'll see that there was no contradiction between the gospel that Paul preached and the gospel that the other apostles preached. They were one and the same gospel, but Paul's talking about the origins, where he heard it. He's showing we are not getting in the credentials game because the one gospel came to everyone from Jesus. That's the source. And so it freed Paul of a fear of man, and it frees you from a fear of man. Why? Because right now in this moment, if you are in Christ, you share in His humiliation. So often, that's what we're trying to avoid, isn't it? Being humiliated in front of our friends. I'm going to tell you all something. And I'm, I'm your pastor, so I know. Your friends are messed up too, okay? So let's just get that out of the way. Whatever it is you're embarrassed of, they're embarrassed of something too, I promise. I promise. But guess what's even more true? You know, we're all messed up. We're all sinners. That's the beauty of the gospel. Is the cross lays all of our hearts bare for the world to see. Don't you understand what you say when you say you're a follower of Jesus? You say, my sin is worthy of public open condemnation because of my sin my innocent lord was stripped naked and laid bare and his the guilt and condemnation that belonged to me was put on public display for even pagans to wag their tongues at what kind of sinner this man must have been to deserve a death like this but here's the reality what a sinner we must all be for our lord to deserve a death like that you've already been humiliated at the cross oh but my friends you've been glorified through your union with christ sin didn't have a hold on him death didn't have a hold on him jesus christ burst from the grave in glory and power and it's the same glory and power that's given to you through the holy spirit in your hearts when you believe in jesus what does man have to offer you why would you fear man that which you fear most they already know you're a desperate wicked sinner and that which you desire from them most which is for them to ascribe to you glory and honor and power you already have beyond what the world could even imagine in christ why fear man but second of all the gospel frees us from the opinions of man that's our second point. The gospel frees us from the opinions of man. Let me ask you all this question. Has anybody here heard any opinions lately? <laughs> Has anybody heard any opinions this morning? Yeah, of course. Of course you have. Goodness gracious. I won't poll the room on opinions. I know Baptists. Baptists got opinions. I know you've got opinions. Doesn't it feel like every opinion you hear contradicts another one you hear? Doesn't it feel like sometimes, man, I trust this person most in the world. Actually, I trust this post, 
person, maybe most in the world. I can't decide which one. And they disagree with each other. You know how hard it is. You know what a challenge it is. People you love, people you care about, people you've gotten good godly advice from. They disagree on so many things. It feels like there are opinions coming at us all the time. This is how you ought to live your life. If you really want to live your life well, you need to find your authentic self. If you really want to find yourself well, you need to forgive yourself and do this. And if you really want to do this, you better do that. And you better leave your spouse if you want to be happy. No, no, no. You better stay with your spouse if you want to be happy. Or you better do this if you want to be fulfilled. Or you better do that if you want to be fulfilled. You know, girl, you better. You know, guy, you better. Uh, man. And that's not even getting to masks. <laughs> the gospel is revealed by God. In a world filled with opinions and thoughts and ideas and everything else, the gospel is given to us by God. And it frees us from the opinions of man. That's not to say that we don't need to seek truth in this world. That's not to say that we don't need to, as Christians, try to understand the things that are happening in the world around us. That's not to say that we bury our head in the sand because we believe the gospel. So none of this other stuff matters to us. No, no, no. It's the opposite. We start with the gospel. We don't root our opinions in everything else in the world. We start with what God has said, with what we know that God has said. And in a world that feels tossed by the sea, we can be anchored in Christ. Don't you see what Paul says? Beginning verse 11. I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now here's what's beautiful. Paul received this gospel from a revelation of Jesus Christ. He did not receive it from man. And later, as we'll see, Paul goes to Jerusalem. He meets with Cephas. He, he meets with Peter, that is. He meets with James. Later, not in this section, but later we learn he meets with all the other apostles. After Galatians was written, I believe the Jerusalem Council happens in Acts 15. And at every turn, all the other apostles say, the apostle Paul preaches the same gospel, and he received the same gospel from our Lord that we received from our Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? Now, Paul's preaching the same gospel. It's something that came from Jesus. And the beauty of the gospel is that it transforms us by the very power of God. Do you ever wish you could change? I mean, sincerely. So, sometimes Whitney and I, especially in seminary and things like that, we would go and we would go and have dinner with folks. And me being me, you know, I would... Have a good time at dinner. And a good time for me is telling as many stories as I can tell, one after the other, with absolutely no feedback whatsoever. <laughs> and so we would get home, and Whitney would say, Sweetheart, I would like to have friends. <laughs> but if you don't shut up, we are never going to have friends. And I would say, you're crazy. Everyone had a blast at dinner tonight. I could tell. They had so much fun. 
Over time, I would think, man, I wish I could be different than this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I wish I could change. You know, and I would think, man, I've got to hush, and I just can't hush. I wish I could hush. So he said, I wish he would hush, and he just can't hush, you know, right now. No, I, I, we've all learned things we don't like about ourselves and felt paralyzed to change. Paralyzed to change. The gospel, my friends, transforms us by God's power. Notice what the Bible says in 13 and 14. You have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and I tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism, but beyond many of my own age, among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. Man's opinions don't transform us. In fact, oftentimes man's opinions make us the worst versions of ourselves. Only the gospel can authentically change our hearts. Surely you see the amazing power of God in the transformation of Saul of Tarsus, who you now call the Apostle Paul, who took the gifts God had given him after he was transformed by the hearing of the gospel from a revelation from Jesus and the transformation of the Holy Spirit. He went from going to places all over the known world and finding the Christians there and persecuting them to instead going to places all over the known world and declaring the gospel and raising up Christians and and raising up pastors and planting churches all over the known world. The gospel transforms us, and it does it according to the wisdom of God, not man's wisdom. Paul goes on to say in verses 15 through 17, When he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his Son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. You know what we would do if it was our wisdom? When Saul of Tarsus was ravaging the churches, you know what we would do? We'd go find somebody better. We'd go find somebody to fight him, wouldn't we? You know what we, and that's sort of just how we function. Oh, this person's got this person. Oh, wait till you, you've got Goliath, huh? Wait till we find our guy. It doesn't work that way. What does God do? By his power, he takes the one who's persecuting the church and transforms him by grace. Who would make up this gospel? Who would make up a gospel that so beautifully highlights the weakness of man and the uselessness of our opinions and the foolishness of our wisdom? Only God. Only God. Finally, the gospel frees us from the glory of man. The, the gospel frees us from man's glory. You see, we so desperately want to glory in ourselves. Charles Spurgeon's father was a pastor. And Spurgeon went on to become the most famous preacher probably that the world's ever known. And from time to time, his father would preach in his church and one time his father who was a very unknown pastor we wouldn't know who James Spurgeon was if it weren't for Charles Spurgeon more than likely and he preached at his son's church the Metropolitan Tabernacle thousands of people were gathered together in 19th century London and he said something 
that's so true. He said, uh, my son Charles may preach the gospel better than I do, but nobody can preach a better gospel than the one I preach. We crave glory. Don't think for a moment your preacher doesn't. Don't, don't think for a moment that my heart's any more pure than yours is. No, I, I love to be commended by man. You know, I love to be praised. I think we all do. You see what the gospel does, though? It robs us. It robs us of our ability to be authentically glorified by man. You see, we want to glory in ourselves, but the gospel says you have no glory in yourself. Everything that you receive has been given to you by Christ. You see, Paul had no use for man's approval. After three years, he went to Jerusalem he only saw Peter and James, we see in verses 18 and 19. So he's, he, 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 then in 20, he's, he em, emphasizes, I'm, I'm not lying here. This is true. I only saw these two. You see, Paul didn't go and, in order to try to launch his ministry, go and get stamps of approval from all the apostles to say, you know, I used to persecute you, but now I'm going to preach the gospel to you. You notice Paul's relatively unknown at this point in his ministry. In verse 21, then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. The only thing they knew about Paul was the grace of God that he had received in his life. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. Paul has no use for man's approval. He has no use for fame or notoriety. He's not going out trying to build some big ministry in a time of shameless self-promotion. Surely this is encouraging. People weren't checking out Paul on TikTok, learning all the things that he had to say. He's not trying to build a brand. He's not trying to build some big empire. You know what Paul was? He was a monument of mercy for the glory of God. What people knew about him at that point was simply, I mean, Paul was incredibly gifted and we're recipients of his gifts. We see, I mean, literally, we're reading this book, we're recipients. God saw fit to use Paul's ministry for the good of the church forever. But it's not something he was seeking. And they glorified God because of me. Why? Because he once tried to destroy the faith and now he was preaching it and they glorified God. God because of him in all the craziness of the day isn't it wonderful that we have something true and real to cling to in a time when everyone wants to glorify themselves isn't it wonderful that our glory comes from somewhere else isn't it wonderful that more than likely the best thing that can ever be said about your life the best thing that will ever be said about my life better than any ministry accomplishments or whatever else I may have, the best thing that could be said about me is Matt was a monument to God's mercy, for God's glory. I've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. That which I used to oppose and hate, God's love and grace, I now celebrate and preach. And there's nothing more, there's nothing better that can be said about me than that. It robs us, it strips us of our desire for man's glory. And frankly, brothers and sisters, it delivers you from a desire for man's glory. 
Because just as soon as you get it, you can lose it. The, you can have it in one moment and lose it in the next. You can be the, the king of the world in one moment and cancel the next. But when Jesus Christ saves you by His grace, there's nothing that can change that. So many of us feel like we need to position ourselves so that man can see us better. So, so they can really see what we're like and how good we are. If they only knew how gifted I was, they would give me this platform or they would give me this honor or they would give me this glory, this notoriety. We want something more than the gospel, but my friends, you need nothing more than the gospel. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. For me. If you've never known this grace for the first time, I invite you to Embrace the Lord Jesus in faith for the first time. I believe if you'll turn from your sins in repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus, you will be saved. You may be a Christian and may say, Pastor, I just need some moments to pray. Right where you are or right down here at this altar, you're welcome to respond to the Lord this morning. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church whether it be right where you are or right down here, whether you need to pray with yourself or with someone else or with me, after this prayer, I want to invite you to do business with the Lord. Let's pray together.